So on this 4th of July weekend, I thought I would read you a quote of one of our founding fathers. I'll let you guess which one in a minute. I'm going to read it twice because it's kind of hard to get the meaning the first time. For in a warm climate, no man will labor for himself who can make another labor for him. This is so true that of the proprietors of slaves, a very small proportion indeed are ever seen to labor. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gifts of God, that they are not to be violated but with his wrath? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Who's going to work, do the work themselves, when they can get someone else to do it for them? Why would you? And the country is based upon the idea that our founding liberties are bestowed by God. You've heard that? But the problem is that we're getting all the work done on the backs of someone else, many someone else's. And God is just. And there will come a time when God's justice must be met. And I tremble for our country when that happens. I love this parable. This parable, excuse me, it's not a parable. This story of the healing of the man from Bethsaida, it doesn't come across in any of the election readings over the course of three years, but I, I wanted to bring it in today because I just, I love it. Because it's so un-Jesus-like for most of us. So there's a man and he's blind and then the people bring him and they say, Jesus, you can help. And Jesus takes the man out of town so he's not a big spectacle and he puts saliva on his eyes and he puts his hands on him and he says, what do you see? What do you see? He says, well, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. All my good evangelical friends hate this scripture. What's supposed to happen when Jesus does a miracle? It's supposed to work! This is not a good text. Mark must have got it wrong. How dare they imply that Jesus might do something? It's like, well, did it work? Well, kind of. All right, well, let's try again. I love this passage because sometimes I do my best. And it's like, did it work? Well, you know, you give somebody pearls of wisdom, just your absolute best advice. And you think, was it helpful? And they're like, eh, well, eh, kind of. We had a situation where we had nine people gunned down in a church. And the country kind of woke up a little bit. And like the guy had the Confederate flag and we got a Confederate flag hanging 
over the capital. It, it's at full staff. And what if this is a problem? And I see, and, and, and the response has been okay. You know, one of the governors took the flag down unilaterally because he could. Governor of Nikki Haley is, is trying to get the South Carolina to, to take the flag down completely. But we're having a conversation about is it possible that this flag might mean more than Southern pride? Is it possible that the children who are able to go to school on Martin Luther King Middle School, but the address that the school is on is after a Confederate general who was also a Grand Dragon of the KKK? Wrap your head around that. Is there progress yet to be made? I think what happens is that suddenly a lot of people started saying, wow, I can see a little bit. But they're like trees walking around. And sometimes if you can't see very well at all, maybe it seems worse to you than if you couldn't see anything. I don't know. We're at that strange time where we've actually, as a nation, had a little bit of healing around this issue. People have had genuine conversations about what this history means and what some of these symbols mean to many of our folks. But the healing wasn't finished. Can you see? What do you see? Well, I see there's a little pain there, and, you know, um, I'm going to do this. This is terrible. Remember when George Bush ran for president the first time, and he ran as a com compassionate conservative? And, and the joke was, well, well, explain what that means. He says, well, as somebody who's compassionate, when I see somebody and they're in pain, and I see a poor person, my heart goes out to them, and, and my empathy goes out to the person. And as a conservative, that's their problem. And, and that's a terrible joke, and I apologize. But it's kind of, I think, where some of us are. We're like, okay, some of this is bad, and, and we realize that we need to change our hearts, but we really don't want to. We really don't want to. And this is where I love the Dalai Lama, because yesterday, uh, you know, in his talk, he says, you know, he looks at, at people, and, and somebody asked him, he says, what is it like to be the Dalai Lama, to be, you know, uh, you have two billion people who look to you for spiritual guidance, and what is that sense of responsibility? And he says, well, if I see myself as the Dalai Lama, I'm one in two billion people. I have nothing in common with the other two billion. If I see myself as a person, I am one of seven billion people. He speaks as one of seven billion people in the world. And he says, there are these secondary things that divide us. 
you know, your race, your religion, your philosophy, what science you subscribe to, whatever it is. There are these secondary things that cause us divisions. But they're always secondary things. When you go to the primary level of we're all people, in the, in the Christian faith we'd say we're all created in the image after the likeness of God, all, each and every one of us. When you go to that primary level, we're all the same. You can't make these distinctions. You can't say you're three-fifths three of a person and you're five-fifths of a person. You can't do that. When you're all created in the image after the likeness of God. And when you have a glimpse that, oops, I'm using secondary distinctions for things, sometimes then our vision gets like, well, we kind of see a little bit better, but there's still people look like trees walking around. What I pray for us on this 4th of July weekend is that we can go back and tap into the sense of this country is called to be something great, but it can only be great if we live up to our principles. And typically what we do is we forsake our principles based on economic decisions or convenience. I mean, when we're not, when the, when the State Department has a hard time supporting the Dalai Lama because of its relationship with China, you know fundamentally our principles need to get hit with a hammer to get back in plumb. If we want to go back and do what needs to be done so that we can see clearly this is not the time to stop. And I love this healing because if even Jesus can do something the first time and it doesn't quite work, then heaven's sakes, we can do something again. Can't we? We can take the next step. We can stand up for what we believe as Americans, for what we believe as Christians, and in gay marriage and on, on issues of race, on issues of privilege. Um, you know, I have become so aware in the last couple months, probably the last couple years, more so than my whole life, just what white privilege for me allows me to do. And it's kind of humbling because I kind of knew it, but I've really been feeling it. And so you're the subject of some of these sermons now because I'm feeling that sense of obligation. The good news is that if it doesn't work the first time, it can be, still be fixed. And I want to celebrate the fact that people are thinking about some of the symbols and some of the issues that have been tearing our country apart at the foundation for a very, very long time. And we have an opportunity now that people are seeing a little more clearly to help them not see people as trees walking around, but to see people as people walking around. Without distinctions, without divisions, without any of this foolishness that separates us. What unites us is far greater than what divides us. And that's what we're called to live in Christ's name. Amen.